Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. So you're just starting the show, and then right across from you is an NFL legend. So that's a pretty good way to start, isn't it? I don't know if we've had a better start to a show. There's never in, been in a better history. start. Well, I've never heard of a pigskin preacher, but I love I love that. I, that's the first time. Well, just give him a 15, 20 minutes. You may not think that anymore. Yeah, I'll be whining about the national championship game no, again. No, so. we're not doing was that there, today. Was there a national championship game? There really wasn't. I'm a Michigan fan. I'm like, how did we lose to these guys that got beat 65 to seven? Well, let me just say, how, how about Ohio State? Oh my goodness! They got to be thinking. Uh, yeah, it was all out there in front how, of us. How close were we? But that's you exactly. know that's the interest. Oh, by the way, hi, I'm Joe, Joe Thies. Thies good morning. With us, yes. Just wanted to introduce myself <laughs> and say hi. Being that nobody else in this show is going to introduce me, I figured I may as well do it myself. It's good to catch up with everybody. They've down been here. talking about this for four hours. So I mean, anyone yeah. who's been listening knew that Joe Thiesman is going to start the show. With the show number, number seven is entering the arena. You know what's really funny too, though, is uh, obviously when I played, I wore a helmet. And then got into television and all the other stuff, so you don't wear a helmet. But people, I'd walk, be in an airport walking by, and I would have a conversation with someone. Someone would turn around and say, I know your voice. They recognize my voice easier than they recognize my face. Uh, it was really funny. I just thought, wow. But then you think about it. Like I said, we spend our lives in helmets. And most people don't really, you know, see what's behind the And they the could face see mask. more of your face than most because you just had the one single bar. bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, did did anybody bar. try to get their hand in there and, like, poke in the eye? No, fists, though. Really? Oh, oh, no. Oh, yeah. I mean, I get, my teeth are, uh, you know, uh, cosmetic dentistry is a beautiful thing. Wow. I have to tell you that. So I, like, who these are, aren't my teeth. Who were some of the Conrad Doblers of the defensive side that were trying to mess with you? Matt Millen. Matt Millen. Millen? Was, Millen would always just <laughs> he be. He was rough. Bubba Baker up in Detroit. Yeah. He was a defensive end. It, it wasn't that, you know, we'd get into a pile and guys would be grabbing and punching. And, you know, it was, it was the good old days of football. Let's put it that way. But Matt used to stand across the line. He was a middle linebacker in San Francisco and, of course, in Oakland at that time. They were called the Oakland Raiders. And actually, we played them. They were the L.A. Raiders. But he would be on the opposite side, and he'd be staring at me. He'd say, I'm going to tear your head off. I'm going to kill you. Give me all this, all this rhetoric, right? And then he'd blitz, and we'd be on the ground. He'd go, Joe, so how's the family? <laughs> Are the kids okay? I mean, you know, hey, listen, I'll be back. I said, you probably will. And then Bubba Baker who was a right, a, right, a right defensive end for the Detroit Lions. Number 60. Of all, well. of all the places that we played, the loudest facility I ever played in was up in Detroit in Pontiac, Michigan. Silverdome. It was it was built into the ground, so all the noise would go up and sort of just swoop back down on you like a wave, and it was loud as could be. And and so Bubba's over there, and Bubba's just talking and talking and talking. Finally, I got to the line of scrimmage. I looked at him. I said, Bubba, would you just shut up? I'm trying to call signals here, for goodness sake. Uh, but we've had, and of course, uh, Harvey Martin was another one with the Cowboys. And Ed Jones used to drive me crazy because Ed, Ed still, you know, he hadn't gotten smaller. He's still six seven, and um, he played the left defensive end. And, and as I explain this to people that maybe don't understand the way terminology is in football, um, as an offensive player, you're looking at the defense. But the way they refer to the players is from a defensive side. So a, a right defensive end would actually be on my left, or a left defensive end would actually be on my right uh, as the defensive player. But Ed was Ed used to stand and just take a step across the line of scrimmage and just swat the ball back, and then he would glare at me. 
He would just glare at me. I wanted to talk to Cliff Harris about that, but he's not here. <laughs> See, he just he knew I was coming, so Cliff couldn't make. There it was a special saying. intensity of those rivalries that you had with Dallas. Those really? Washington Dallas games were, were crazy. You know, rivalries are an interesting concept. You really have to have something at stake. I mean, you you, you hear about teams, the quote unquote rivalries. Ours has gotten away of late. Uh, but, you know, for the Cowboys, it was important this this game. It was important to us in this game. So the rivalry got renewed a little bit. But, you know, we'd always, one of us would wind up, or both of us in the playoffs and play one another. One Super of us Bowl would wind up the winning time. the division. So uh, back in the 80s when we did play, there was a lot at stake. And that, that, to me, is where you get a rivalry. There needs to be something on the table that you're playing for. You put your time in with... Billy Kilmer and Sonny Jurgensen. You yeah. had to wait a little bit, but when you got in there, you took advantage of it. Well, I spent my first two years as a punt returner, mm. you know, which people don't quite realize, uh, which I absolutely love. I've had people come up and say, if you could go back, if the good Lord granted you the opportunity to be healthy enough to go play a game, what would you want to play? Let me return punts. Mm. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Then I watched, you know, I watched the Dallas Cowboy punt returner drop the first one. I'm thinking, it ain't that hard. <laughs> if I could do it, I know it's not that hard. That's the first job. It, it's silly. Catch the ball. Catch the ball. Catch the ball. And you know what, what I would do with I had I I love football so much and I love analyzing football and looking at every aspect of it. I would during practice not have wide receivers wear gloves. I would let them wear gloves in games from a, a reassurance factor, but learn how to catch the football. Learn how to feel the football. Um, and, and and same thing with punt returners. You do the same exact thing. It's just learn how to catch, learn how to feel the ball. And and everybody's wearing gloves now. Everybody wears gloves now with, to do it. Yesterday we're, we're doing some research looking up, you, you know, who, who what you've done, what you uh, have accomplished. I, I was flabbergasted. I did not know you weren't in the Hall of Fame. No, yeah. Does that sit poorly with you? Not at all. I, I mean, the, the Hall of Fame is – I have friends of mine that are in it. Drew Pearson, for example, yeah. went in this year. Drew is my high school wide receiver. We're dear, dear friends. I did not and I know. and I know Drew was here just recently. Just, yeah, he was on the show. A great just, guy. Just he's the best. Um, and so, uh, you know, Drew is there, and the guy that I, I, for myself, if it happens, it would be a wonderful honor. I, I don't foresee it happening, and and I have a I've been very fortunate to be a part of a world championship football team, which is, it's not subjective, uh, and so that that's mm-hmm. fine with me. But Joe Jacoby, our left tackle, certainly deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, you don't know if those windows pass, but uh, I know that Joe is certainly a Hall of Fame offensive lineman and deserves to be there and doesn't even get on the ballot. And that, you know, that that bothers me more than anything, not for myself, but for someone that I view. And, and they, don't, they, don't, they don't even necessarily have to be a teammate. I think, uh, you know, there's different players that are going in uh, that are on the ballot this year. Um, and I just hope, you know, I hope the – well, I wish all of them would get in because they're all great players. But to me, uh, Joe Jacoby not being in the Hall of Fame just doesn't sit well with me. Well, when I saw that you were the only player and quarterback to win an MVP in a Super Bowl, not to be in, I'm like, that's ridiculous. He needs to be in. Well, thank you. You were an MVP, Super Bowl champion, like you just mentioned, an Offensive Player of the Year, a College Football Hall of Famer. But when your name gets mentioned, one of the first things people think of is the play with yeah. Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, I'm the godfather that, of broken legs. Does that bother you? <laughs> No, not at all. And, and the reason why it doesn't uh, is because that particular moment in my life uh, 
really changed my life. I had become a, you, you just went through all the accolades. You know, I'm a college All-American, runner-up to the Heisman Trophy, uh, two-time All-Star in Canada, went to a great cup, went to a championship up there, and then, you know, being an MVP and a world champion down here and all the other things, you, you tend to get feeling pretty good about yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I really, um, I lost sight of what's important. I lost sight of other people. I just sort of got self-absorbed. And uh, the direction I was going in as a person was not a healthy one or a good one for me. And then all of a sudden, you know, I believe in divine intervention. The good Lord basically said, whoa, if you won't make the decision to stop it, I'm going to send a six-foot-four, 240-pound messenger to deliver it in Lawrence Taylor. And so uh, the, the evening my leg was broken was really the beginning of a new life for me. See, we're put on this earth. I, I got to a point where I felt like I needed to be served. That's not what life's all about. Life is for us to be on this earth to serve others. And I had it backwards. And that night really changed my view of my life, the person I want to be, and the, the, the types of things that I'd like to be able to do to help other people get where they want to get to. I think some of the greatest satisfaction we get in our life is to work with someone, see them accomplish something, more so than even doing it yourself. Mm-hmm. But to see someone else put the time and the effort and the energy through your guidance, and then all of a sudden they wind up accomplishing something, oh, there's, there's no better feeling in the world that than that. That is awesome. So for me, that particular night uh, you know, changed my life completely. I mean, there's, there's events around that night, for example. Um, I, remember, I remember everything. I didn't go into shock. I remember you know, Coach Gibbs coming out and kneeling down and looking at me and going, Joe, you've meant so much to this football team. Joe, this is a heck of a mess you've left me in. I, I, I can't believe it. I mean, it's, you know, he's like, I, I, uh, Coach, I'm sorry. I, I apologize. <laughs> I'm laying on the ground. I apologize for that. Um, then they put, me on the, they put me on the gurney to take me uh, to the, into the ambulance. That, our ambulance didn't go out on the field. And, and thank goodness DeMar Hamlin's doing so well, you know, the young man uh, with the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. I'm just so thrilled that he is really making tremendous progress. Um, but for me, I, they put me in the ambulance uh, on the on the sideline, and right in front of me, Art Monk caught a like a forty yard pass. I'm driving to the um, hospital. They they were moving me from the ambulance gurney to the hospital gurney, and they forgot to pick up the lower right part of my leg. So I'm laying there. They lift me up, and my right leg just flops down. So I and, and the body's an incredible thing. From the knee down, the endorphins kicked in. I had no feeling whatsoever from my knee down to my leg nothing i could look at it i could see it i knew it was there but i had no feeling so i turned to the one of the uh, attendants there and i said excuse me i said can you pick up the rest of me and so they put me <laughs> on the stretcher and wheeled me wheeled me into the hospital and then they brought a then they brought in a uh, a black and white tv with a coat hanger stuck in it so I'm, I'm being prepped and all the time they're prepping my leg i'm watching the game i'm watching the game and then uh phil sims i think throws an incomplete pass and I turned to the doctor and I said, "All right, go do what you got to do. Put me back together." But yeah, it was that whole incident was quite an evening for me. If it doesn't happen, where where were you going? God what was knows. the path? Heaven only knows. Wow. I mean, I, I mean, I, you really, really, I really don't know. I'm. I tell people I'm not a rear view mirror guy. I'm a windshield guy. I look out what's in front of me. I try and learn from the lessons that have I've experienced in my past but I don't reflect back on. I have no idea what I would have done. I mean, you know, we went on to win, what, two more championships? 
after I left. And uh, 87 was another year. I got hurt in 85, 87. That team went and won a world championship. So, you know, you just don't know. And I, I don't really dwell on it. I don't think about uh, that. I, like I say, I like to learn from the lessons of, of the things I've done in the past. But as far as life goes, I want to see what's out in front of me. What are you doing now? I do motivational speeches, uh, mostly motivational stuff, uh, some commercials I have running. Um, and uh, I was scheduled to do another Hallmark movie. I've done two Hallmark movies. I was scheduled to do another one until the pandemic hit. And we film out in Vancouver, uh, which is just a, a beautiful place. I sp- spent three years in Canada, played in Toronto and traveled all over Canada. I love traveling. I've been to different parts of the world that that fascinate me. I mean, it, it's amazing to go different places and hear other people's opinions of the United States of America. And, you know, we we tend to think here in this country, this is all there is. And for those people that don't travel, it really is everything. But if you get a chance to travel around the world, you get different cultures, different philosophies, um, different views of life. And, uh, it's, you know, I have this quest for knowledge in every way, shape, or form, whether it's if I'm in a city, whether I go to an art museum or whether I go to a concert or, or whether, uh, you know, I, I just walk around the city and, and see the people. What, it's funny, being in the position that I'm in and have been in my, for a long time in my life, people see you and they recognize you. But I love, I travel a lot to airports. I love to sit in an airport and watch people. I'm a people watcher. I love to watch people. And sometimes I'll look at somebody and go, whoa. Okay, that outfit doesn't quite go with the rest of you, but it's like holy mackerel, you know. And it's just it's it's the it's what you see, it's it's what you're able to observe that is so much fun and so funny. You were smack dab in the middle of an incredible run of quarterbacks at Notre Dame. You had Hewitt, Hanratty, then you. You got Clemens, Montana. What made Coach Parsegian? so special and, and so great a coach well, with quarterbacks? What a great question, and it, you know it really. Um, uh, it, it wasn't it, coach sort of put together the organization one of the great things of leadership i learned from era was you let people you hire people to do their job you don't do their job for them he called the plays and, and he was masterful at it. i was very fortunate to play with incredible people joe waltman washington coach gibbs in washington teddy marchabrota was my first play caller but you see those guys and it's like wow it's it's unbelievable um it was, I think, the players around us that era recruited. Um, I mean, it was it was so special. Tom Pagna was our quarterback coach and our offensive coordinator, and you know it broke Tom's heart when he didn't get the job after era left. Um, but he was, uh, you know, he he just really taught me the fundamentals of the position. This is where I mean we could do five hours here. I'll, I'll make this. It looks like Wes is standing next to us, and he wants me to do something He's else. He's giving me a look. I'm not sure yeah. what the look is, but, but he, go ahead. He, the, <laughs> the portal, to me, has created a major problem in college football. What it has done in college athletics, let's just say. It, first of all, if, if somebody has to compete for a job, they don't compete anymore. They just go someplace else. Right. So what are we really trying to teach young people in this world? Secondly, you don't fundamentally get, get taught anything. Because, you know, okay, so you you're, you think you're really good. You think you're really good. So I'm going to take my, my good play and my abilities. I'm just going to go someplace else. But you're not really getting any fundamental teaching at the age of 17, 18, 19, 20 years old where the foundation is created. The fundamentals I learned and learned to play the game at came at, at Notre Dame it, over the years. You know, contrary to popular belief, people don't know everything. 
I, I, I know it's a, it's a rude awakening to a lot of people, but the fact of the matter is you don't know everything. And, and so the portal has created this opportunity for guys to say, well, I, that guy's ahead of me. I'm gone. If, if you're, I've talked to college coaches. They won't put out depth charts. College coaches will not put out depth charts any earlier than they have to because they don't want an athlete to see that they're number two. I'm leaving. Yeah, I'm gone. And that the I, they they really need to do something with the portal, the NILs. Um, I had a solution to that: create a trust fund, put it in for the kids, protect some degree of of, uh, of amateur status. We don't have college football as an example anymore. We have semi-professional football played right. by college athletes. That's what we have. You're a Washington football legend. I'm a Washington fan myself. It's been tough times, well, for the past 26 years of my life. It's been rough. Um, how closely do you keep up with your former team? Very close to it. I, I For 10 years, pretty close to 10 years, I did all the preseason games. I remember watching so I, I, you know, I've been around the organization. I've been friends of everybody in the organization. From ownership to coaches uh, to players, uh, mentored some players uh, through time. Uh, the organization means a lot to me. It, it uh, gave, it provided me an opportunity, I think, to be where I am today, to the relationships that I have today. You know, it's a funny thing about football. There's four cities: there's Dallas, San Francisco, New York, and Washington. Back in the '80s, we didn't have free agency, so we we all competed very heatedly against one another. But we all grew up in those communities together, and our families grew up. And I think those four cities in particular, guys that I played with in the 80s, so many of them still live in that area. So, it, it, it's it, you know, that's an era that's passed now because guys just, you know, they chase the big dollars and the opportunities that come. But it, for me, it was uh, it was great. You know, Phil Sims and I talk about it. I, you know, Roger and I used to do events together, and I can't throw anymore. I'm sure he still can. <laughs> and Staubach, he's just you know he's like he's you know he's an 80 year old machine is what he is. God bless him. You look uh, great though. I, I feel great. Ron Jaworski and I, another one we compete all the time. But uh, yeah, it's great to it's great to stay in touch with all those guys. Who's going to the Super Bowl? I like Cincinnati, and I'm torn between. I really am between Kansas City and uh, Cincinnati and um, Philadelphia and San Francisco. Is those, it hard for you to say Philadelphia? Not really, no. Although it was funny, you know. I got to tell you, Quinn, what, I don't know where. where hey, he's gone. So let's go. Let's keep going. Story. So Philadelphia fans, they're unique. Okay, first of all, <laughs> the vet used to, the vet was the only stadium in the in uh, the National Football League that had a magistrate's desk downstairs <laughs> in it, so they could immediately they could immediately put people in jail. Okay, they had a little jail. So that so I think they I I wish they'd have kept it. So we're, we had a we had a uh, gentleman who used to dress up like an Indian called Chief, yes. and he was our mascot. And then of course there were so I see Chief one day like after Christmas, and he's got his arm in a sling after we played the Eagles. And I said, Chief, what happened? He said, You're gonna believe this. You're gonna believe this. He said, During the game, Santa Claus comes up to me and he throws me out of the stands and breaks my leg. <laughs> It was a Philadelphia Eagle fan dressed up in Santa Claus. So he says, Santa Claus broke my arm in Philadelphia. How tough are these people? I said, I don't know, but it sounds pretty rough to me. I thought I had it rough on the field. I'm glad I wasn't in the stands. But, yeah, they're a, they're a, they're a, they're a group of fans that really, really get excited. Pittsburgh fans are the, are the best traveling fans, I think, in, in football. I mean, they, they go everywhere. 
I mean, you, you, if you're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, half the stadium's going to be them. Mm. I mean, so, I mean, but there are different teams. Uh, everybody has their loyalties, and, uh, and some are very unique. And, of course, the Philadelphia Eagle fans are a unique bunch. But, see, Washington was the only team that didn't make it to the playoffs in that division and had a chance up until mm. the last game or so. Uh, and that would have been that would have been a great thing to see all four teams in a division that everybody thought was going to be nothing. Everybody talked about the AFC West, but the NFC East was wasn't getting any love, and all of a sudden we had a chance to have all four teams make the playoffs. Which quarterback now do you like watching? I love watching Patrick Mahomes. I think he's I, Patrick's a video game. I don't play video games, but I get to watch Patrick, so I feel like I'm playing a video game. His creativity, you know, fundamentally he throws the ball very well. I mean, his fundamentals are very good, but he has such a creative nature. And when he's on the move, his vision is incredible. And, and so to me, when I watch what he's able to do, um, both with his legs in a very smart way and with his arms and with his eyes, uh, everybody said, oh, what are the, what are the Kansas City Chiefs going to do without Tariq Hill? Well, right back where they were before. Yeah. They've got a, you know, they've got a buy. Um, Andy Reid is just Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, and Matt LaFleur. I think those four guys are incredible play callers. And Andy's so masterful. I've, I've been fortunate to have, have a relationship with Andy for a long, long time. Uh, when I was in broadcasting, I used to love to sit in his office and just pick his brain. That was the one thing I loved about broadcasting. To me, as opposed to going to coach, it was so much more fun to sit with coaches and learn from them when you play for one organization it limits your knowledge but when you're in broadcasting and you have access to 32 i call it the keys to the library it's the keys to the football library players coaches owners gms trainers equipment people everybody is at your disposal to have be able to have conversations with and learn from my favorite saying is the day you stop learning is the day you stop living and so to me, in every aspect of life, when you get a chance to learn, it's great. I live 60 miles from the Canadian border. I got to watch a lot of Canadian football. Right. When you were there, Clemens was there, Conridge, Holloway, Warren Moon. You guys were like the ABA. It was like the Wild West. Oh, you were yeah. running. You, you run, it's only shoot, three downs. Throw. Exactly. You only had three downs, so you had to. But, you know, people thought, well, the Canadian Football League, that doesn't translate. It's funny how many guys that were good in that league came over to the NFL and you all had success. Receivers as well, exactly. defensive backs, some defense of linemen. Uh, I played for a guy I played, who coached the Buffalo Bills, John Roush. He coached me my second year up there. And John believed in a philosophy of running the football. Nobody explained to him there were only three downs. <laughs> so, you know, if you run on first down and you gain, uh, you gain no yards, you're looking at second and ten, third down you're punting. Mm-hmm. And so I saw more second and eights and second and tens my second year up there than I ever saw in my life. Here comes a blitz. They're, oh yeah, they're just. But the field was so big; it's it's basically a soccer field. It, our field's fifty three yards wide, give or take, you know, a half a yard or so. Um, but up there, it's it's gigantic, and the end zones are twenty five yards. Did you use that end zone to send guys deep? Oh yeah, absolutely, like absolutely. We throw fades all the time. We gotta let you go. This oh, has darn. been a pleasure. Oh, shoot! Can I feel we just like... keep Joe the next two hours? <laughs> you said uh, you get paid for doing the inspirational speeches. I feel like we owe you something. After no, having you shoot! On. This I, was awesome. It's what I it's what I do for a living, and I just I love to be able to share experience and stories with people. I've been a blessed blessed person to have some incredible experiences, meet some wonderful people, and it's great to be here in Arkansas. It's great to have the opportunity to be at the Touchdown Club. This was going to happen a couple years ago, and all right. of a sudden, here we. 
we are, and now hopefully we're beyond all that. And I wish everybody a happy new year, a safe new year, and a healthy one. So thanks, guys, for having me. Thank I you appreciate for your time. it. You betcha.